The scriptures that we read this evening, and which is the text for the sermon this evening, is Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Psalm 67. This is the Word of God. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that thy way may be known upon earth thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Let the people praise Thee, O God, let all the people praise Thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. Thus far the reading of God's holy and inspired Word. The text this evening is all of Psalm 67. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, we are not told exactly the occasion for Psalm 67. Other Psalms, the occasion perhaps in the title is more readily ascertained. But it may be that the occasion is hinted at, implied in verse 6 of Psalm 67, where we read there, then shall the earth yield her increase. Another way to translate that is that the earth has yielded her increase which suggests that the occasion of this psalm was a feast of ingathering, a harvest feast, as the fruit of the earth was gathered in. Israel had a couple of those feasts. And if that was the occasion, then the idea here is the psalmist, but representing the congregation. And the occasion of the gathering in of the fruits of the earth, often a token in the Old Testament of God's blessing, but the congregation, the psalmist, they, they look out and they, they look upon, their, their vision widens to the ends of the earth. And as it were, they view the nations surrounding them at the time in darkness. And in this psalm, they ask God, God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Thy way may be known upon earth thy saving health, thy salvation among all nations. That's one of the themes here of Psalm 67, an outstanding theme, the worldwide scope of God's saving purpose. The worldwide scope of the Lord's salvation. We see that theme in this grouping of Psalms, Psalm 65, 66, and 67. If you have your Bibles open and turn to Psalm 65, a couple pages behind, in verse 2 we read, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come, all flesh, all kinds of people, unto this Lord our God. Psalm 66, verse 4, all the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee, they shall sing to thy name. So again, that worldwide scope of God's saving purpose. And now in 67, the congregation desires this. She wants to see this. She knows that it's, God, it's God's purpose in and through Israel. And now she expresses her petition to God to bless her. 
that his way may be known upon earth. Israel here looking out this, this great vision that God told his people and, and that the Old Testament is full of. And for that reason, it's called a missionary psalm. One of the titles that is often given to Psalm 67, a missionary song, in light of that, this orientation, this vision that we find in the psalm. And what this psalm ultimately is about, it is a messianic psalm. It is a psalm that, that looks forward to and that prays for the coming of the Messiah and the coming of the kingdom of heaven in him. This kingdom, this reign of the Lord that shall extend to all nations. The knowledge of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea as we read in the book of Isaiah. A missionary psalm. We consider it this evening and good for us as God's people in the New Testament, the New Testament church for us to consider. For one, to help us not lose sight of this very important and very big aspect of God's redemption, God's salvation that we find in Scripture. A worldwide salvation through a worldwide Savior who came the light of the world that whosoever abideth, whosoever believeth in Him should not abide in darkness. It can happen that we become a little too preoccupied with ourselves. A little too inward looking. Uh, maybe too much of a bubble mentality. And we become forgetful of the nations. Forgetful of them that are outside the household of faith. And this psalm right here reminds us what God is up to through Jesus Christ the Lord. Causing His way to be known all over the earth and, and causing His salvation to be known among all nations. And thus, this is, a, this is a psalm here to turn our gaze away from looking and being interested over much in ourselves and turning our gaze outward. And, and so that as, a, as the fruit of, of the Word and Spirit of God, so that we, with the psalmist of old, with the congregation, look outward and, and have this interest in the propagation of the knowledge of God, the spread of the Gospel, and others coming to know this great God who has given Himself to us to know through Jesus Christ the Lord. A missionary psalm then, that's the theme. And in the first place, we consider the meaning of the psalm. In the second place, the fulfillment of the psalm. And in the third place, the praise that this psalm aims at. The psalmist, the psalm begins this way, God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Now perhaps those strike you as familiar words. Perhaps that benediction has been pronounced uh, at the end of the service. What you have there is the Aaronitic blessing. Number six, God instructs Aaron to bless the congregation and, and to speak these words. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. That great benediction that was there in Israel throughout our history, and now it's this benediction in the form of a prayer, in the form of a petition, asking God, be merciful unto us and bless us. And God cause His face to shine upon us. This wish, this desire of the people of God. So briefly, those terms there in verse 1, 
Bless. Begin with the word bless. And as John Calvin puts it, the blessing of God, bless us, God's goodness in action. And the idea there, God's blessing in doing good unto His people. Prospering His people in His grace. That effective power of God that that lifts God's people up. That blesses them in His free favor. Cause His face to shine upon us. The face of God. The countenance of God. Significant concept in Scripture. In the face, one's attitude, one's disposition is revealed. It's like you look at the face and you know what He thinks about you. God's face causing to shine. God's face as a light. And as the sun rising warms the earth and revives the earth, so the light of God's face, the light of God's countenance shining down upon us. And the idea there is it signifies God's gracious presence with His people. God's witness, that the manifestation that God is with us graciously for our good. And that's the idea of the petition here, the wish in verse 1, that God may manifest His blessing towards His people. So that we perceive and taste that the Lord is good. That God manifest His blessing to us. And so cause the light of His countenance to shine down upon us that we see and know that light. Though God's favor never ceases towards His people, Sometimes that light is not so sensible to the people of God. You could read the Psalms as well. Psalm 80, when the psalmist says, God, turn again unto us and cause thy face to shine upon us, we shall be saved. Israel in trouble. The congregation of the Lord in the rest. The light of God's countenance, as it were, hidden by the storm clouds. So that Israel was not so sensible of that. And they asked God, cause that light to shine. Turn us and and we shall be saved. Now behind all of this is the very first thing listed in verse 1, which is this, mercy. God be merciful unto us and bless us. Another way to translate that, God be gracious unto us. That grace and mercy of God is the foundation and it is the source of it all. And by that term grace, what Israel is confessing here, when we pray be gracious, in that confession, what we are saying, in that prayer, what we are confessing, is that we do not deserve any of it. That word grace, another way to translate the the term mercy in verse 1, that term grace there signifies free, unconditional, undeserved favor of God. Not something that He owed to Israel. And not something that He owes to us as well. The moment we think that grace is owed or that we've made ourselves deserving of it, we have turned the whole concept upside down. Grace implies He doesn't owe it to us at all. And that term mercy there, what that term implies and expresses is that we are in fact deserving of the opposite. And mercy is the the free gift, the forgiveness of sins for a people who simply do not deserve it. The congregation asks this, why? To what end? And, And here's this great It's a small word, but it's a great word in verse 2. That God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. That, in order that, for this purpose, that Thy way may be known upon earth. And that way now in 
parallelism here, the way of God saving way the salvation among all nations. That's astounding. So in the first place, what about these nations? Who are these nations here? Well, the nations all, all around Israel. The nations the world over. And those nations at the time in darkness. Destitute of the true knowledge of God. Their condition and, and the way they were in at the time is described for us by, by the Apostle Paul who addresses the Gentiles brought to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and he describes what it was like for them without that knowledge. And in Ephesians chapter 2 he says, at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That is sad. Such is man, apart from the grace of God. Such is humanity, without the blessing, the mercy, the knowledge of God. So what you have, the nations, fallen humanity, fallen humanity, lost in sin, lost in darkness, without God in the world, having no hope. Now those nations, there was a definite enmity in the Old Testament between the nations and Israel. But Israel recognizes in this psalm that God's purpose with Israel, this people to whom God had given the knowledge, there in Israel the light shined of the knowledge of the glory of God. Think the candlestick in the temple. This light in the midst of darkness. Israel recognized that God's purpose with her is that in and through Israel, this knowledge and this light may go forth and be disseminated over the length and breadth of the earth. You see this incipient already in the Old Testament, this beginning of the knowledge of God going forth from Israel. And Israel, recognizing this purpose, asked that God will bless her and be merciful to her to this end that others may know. That His way may be known upon earth, God's salvation among all nations. You see this principle worked out at times in the Old Testament already. When God delivered Israel from Egypt, when God brought her up the east coast, of the east side of the Jordan River, slew Og and Bashan, brought her through the Jordan River, opened up the river, brought her through into the land of Canaan, that great deliverance of God, that work of God, that action of God for His people, it reverberated throughout the land. So that when the spies come to Rahab the Canaanite, Rahab the harlot, Rahab says, we've heard. We know what your God has done for you. And what we find out is that God used that deliverance, that event of redeeming His people, delivering them and sending them into the land of Canaan in the service of bringing to Rahab the knowledge that yea, indeed, the Lord is God and He only. So God's action there in, in blessing His people and showing mercy to His people reverberated. The effect of that was this, this spread of the knowledge of God. And you see that Another throughout history, think Reformation. One of the anthems of the Reformation, after the darkness, light. 
For a long time, the church had been in a, a sort of darkness, and, and the light of the gospel had been uh, dimmed, you might say, or, or, or covered over with the false doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. Well, God blessed His people. God had mercy upon His people. God recovered to them the gospel. Luther gets a hold of this. God gives it to Luther, and it's like a sets a fire off. And, and this church blessed in so great a way, now she preaches this message all over the place. And you see the true gospel being preached uh, in nations, tribes, and tongues. That same principle here of Psalm 67. Well, this is our prayer. These psalms here were not only for the people of God in the Old Testament. These psalms are for the people of God in every age and for us as well. God has given us this prayer to pray. It is in our prayer book, the prayer book of the church. God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. That God in His mercy, that He keep us, that He preserve us, that He preserve the Gospel in our midst, that He supply the church with pastors, that He preserve us in, in, in the generations after us, in the line of generations according to His covenant promise, that He manifest to us His gracious presence and that He is with us. And now remember, grace and mercy, which is the foundation of it all. We're going to return to this point now. I think it's warranted. You know, sometimes in our prayers, maybe we use the words grace and mercy kind of with our tongues while, while missing it in heart. Sometimes we can, we can pray, have mercy upon us, or be gracious unto us, just kind of rattle it off without recognizing the fact that in praying God be gracious unto us and be merciful unto us, we are confessing as God, you don't owe me a thing. We're not entitled to it. In ourselves, we have no claim to it. We are, we are literally at the mercy of God as the sinners that we are. And the only reason for this petition is because God has revealed Himself to us in His mercy and has called us to cleave and, and to plead that mercy back to Him. He has called us to call upon Him and, and to plead that mercy towards us. It's all because of God towards us, not us coming up with it from ourselves. This is an important word for us to consider as church and churches as well. These words grace and mercy and what they imply about us. Let there be no entitlement mentality in the church of Jesus Christ. No entitlement mentality as respects us as, as congregation and as federation of congregations in this denomination. That word grace means we have nothing of ourselves to recommend ourselves to God why He should be merciful at all to us. It really is pure, free, unconditional grace that can't be worked for, can't be, can't be bought with money, can only come as a free gift for them that are without money. One of the designs of chastisement, one of the designs of chastisement, chastisement of, a, of a, whether it's in our own lives personally or as a denomination, is precisely this, to teach us real, not fake humility. Real humility. To teach us that our welfare as churches depends entirely upon the free mercy of God. 
Be gracious unto us, we pray. Be merciful unto us and bless us. Well, what we also learn from this psalm in verse 2 is that this is our petition, this is our, our desire in order that His way may be known upon earth. You'll notice here that Psalm 67 does not leave things at us. It's not us, period. End of story. It's us that. Bless us that. Cause His face to shine upon us that. So instructive for us. As we said in the introduction, we can become preoccupied with us and we. We can be overmuch interested in ourselves, self-absorbed, too introspective, not only in our own lives personally, but also as church or churches, as denomination. Overmuch interested in ourselves and, and interested in what's going on in here and too forgetful of what God's purpose is with respect to those that are without the household of faith. This can happen in time of chastisement. This can happen in time of prosperity. We are not immune from that. But as we said, Psalm 67 does not leave it at us. It is, bless us, be merciful unto us, cause His face to shine upon us, that. Think about the petition for pastors. The church needs pastors. Jesus taught us to pray for pastors. Laborers in the harvest. The gospel is the great means of God. It is the power of God into salvation. By the gospel, we are, we are given the bread from heaven and the water of eternal life. Well, when we pray, raise up pastors for thy church, don't forget the that in verse 2. Not only that we ourselves may not want, be wanting of the Word, but that this Word may go forth and that others may come to know God's saving way in Jesus Christ. As we said, Psalm 67 is not introspective, but it is emphatically extrospective. Not be merciful unto us and cause the light to shine that we may bottle it up uh, to ourselves and that it may be restricted to ourselves, but that this light may in and through the church go forth. God blessing us that. Well, what is the fulfillment of this psalm? As we said earlier, this psalm, even though it doesn't say the word Messiah, is emphatically messianic. A messianic psalm, another word for Christ. It is, it's looking towards the coming of the kingdom of heaven in Jesus. God told Abraham already from the beginning, Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Repeated in Genesis chapter 22, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In Isaiah chapter 49, God speaks to His servant Israel. But at heart, he is speaking to the Israel of God, which is Jesus Christ, the embodiment of everything Israel was meant to be. And in Isaiah 49, he says, it is a light thing that I should send thee uh, to, the, to the tribes of Jacob and Israel. I will also send thee to the Gentiles, that his salvation may extend the world over. God was merciful to Israel. God blessed Israel. 
God caused his face to shine upon Israel throughout her history. Now to be sure, there were times in her history where uh, there was hardly, evidently, apparently any light. They had lows. There were bleak times in the history of the church in the Old Testament. Think about the, the 400 years of darkness, of silence between the Old and New Testaments. You think about what happened when Antiochus Epiphanes came down from Syria and sought to uh, basically apostatize uh, the children of God. Dark times. When out of the soul of the people of God was pressed, God, turn again unto us and cause thy face to shine upon us that we shall be saved. God preserved his people. God blessed her. And in the fullness of time, God did everything he said. God fulfilled the great promise made unto the fathers in sending into this world the promised Messiah who was made of a woman, Jesus Christ the Lord. Luke chapter 2, Simeon, aged Simeon in the temple, Joseph and Mary come to present Jesus unto the Lord 40 days after Jesus' birth. Simeon, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there in the temple waiting, recognizes that this is the one takes and holds the baby in his arms and, and, and says, Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. You see the connection? Psalm 67 verse 2, that thy salvation may be known among all nations. That day in the temple, Simeon was holding in his arms God's salvation. Here he is. This is the one. This is the one in whom this is going to happen. This is the one in whom salvation shall be accomplished and salvation shall extend to the uttermost reaches of the earth right here, holding him in his arms. Psalm 67, cause his face to shine upon us. Simeon was looking at the face of God incarnate that day. Jesus Christ, who is God with us, who is God who became man, true God of true God, God the Son in the flesh, Simeon looked at Him with his own eyes. John chapter 1, we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, in whom all of the promises were wrapped up. All of these great things that the Old Testament, including Psalm 67, prophesied of. What was striking for God's people, hard, and for the disciples too, was the way in which God went about accomplishing our salvation. Isaiah 52, God said to His people, God promises through Isaiah, prophesies of the Lord coming to redeem. The Lord hath made bare His holy arm. He has rolled His sleeves up for the salvation of His people. And then it's in Isaiah 53 where he says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This way? This way? The way of the cross. The way of suffering and the way of death. Because Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, Paul says, of whom I am chief. God be merciful unto us. Read there the forgiveness of sins. Jesus shed His blood for the remission of our sins. God bless us. Jesus Christ took upon Him the curse that was due unto us that we might receive the blessing of God in Him. And God has raised Him from the dead. 
Jesus is the light. And Jesus Christ is the light of God's face revealed and made known unto man. The light has come. Jesus says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. And that light now of the crucified and risen Christ shines. Shines by the Gospel wherein Jesus is revealed and shines over the length and breadth of the earth. When you read this psalm here, reading the verses that go on in verse 3, let the pe- so here, here, here we go. Verse 2, God's saving health becoming known among the nations. Verse 3, evoking praise, all the peoples praising God. Verse 4, here they are skipping for joy and they are glad and they are singing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously, kingdom of heaven, reign of grace. That's all in it through Jesus. And that's all communicated by the Gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the great means whereby Jesus accomplishes verse 2. You see, Jesus is the head of the body. The church is His body. And by the church, as His body, Jesus causes the Gospel to be preached, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth, to the Jew and to the Greek. So just think about Psalm 67 in light of the Gospel. As we said, it is the power of God. It is that power that that brings God's elect and every nation, tribe, and tongue into participation through faith in the blessing of Abraham. The salvation that is in Christ Jesus. That Gospel is the word of the cross. It makes known God's saving way. Here is God's salvation. Here is God's saving way. Christ and Him crucified, whom the Apostle Paul was determined to preach. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. There's a reason it's called gospel. That word gospel means good news. That gospel is glad tidings for sinners. The free forgiveness of sins to everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. That makes the heart glad. That makes the heart sing for joy. Forgiven. Righteous. Heirs of eternal life as a free gift. And as we said, for thou shalt judge the people righteously. Jesus is Lord. Jesus reigns. God reigns in Jesus Christ. The reign of grace has been inaugurated. And that Gospel announces that reign and brings into participation, brings under that reign God's elect. And thus through Jesus Christ and by His Word and Spirit, God gathers His church out of every nation, tribe, and tongue according to God's purpose before the foundation of the world, the redemption and restoration of mankind in the elect in every nation, tribe, and tongue. And thus, Psalm 67 emphatically has to do with petition for the preaching of the Gospel. And include their petitions for pastors to preach the Gospel. Not only in the local congregation, but all over the world. Pray for God's servants. Pray for God's missionaries wherever they labor. And pray God to raise up missionaries from our own midst to send into this lost and sad and dark world that others may know and that they may rejoice with us and that they may be glad with us in the free forgiveness of sins and in the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ the Lord. And that they may join us in these pews and that they may praise this same God, our Maker and our Redeemer.
That's the desire that we ought to have as those to whom God has made His way known. Not because we deserved it. Not because He owed it to us, but because He wanted to. Because He loved us. It ought to be our desire as His children to see this Word and to see this saving way be known all over the world. Another thing when it comes to the witness of the church, Jesus says, let your light shine before men, addressing His disciples. The way Jesus operates, Jesus is the head. He causes His light to, to disseminate by the body. He has caused this light to shine in our hearts through faith. And He causes that light to emanate out from us in our conversation in word and in deed. The conversation of the church. The witness of the church. And that witness, as the Scriptures speak, is not uh, in the first place going door-to-door evangelizing. But what do, we, what do we read in Peter? He says, walk as Christians. Live as Christians in this world. Love your neighbor. Unconditionally, freely. With the kind of love that is unheard of outside of the church. And be ready to give an answer of every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is within you. The witness in the conversation. We, he has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light that we should show forth the praises of Him who hath so called us. And thus the church is taken up as as instrument in Christ's hand, the head actuating the body, hands and feet and legs and arms, in in the witness of this saving way of Jesus Christ the Lord. And may He fuel our witness, rouse us from our lethargy, put a fire in our belly in this witness, and this fire of desire that others may come to know Him. What it's all about ultimately is the praise. And this is a point of emphasis in Psalm 67. Let the people praise Thee, O God. Let all the people praise Thee. And there it is again in verse 5. Let the people, and you could, that's plural there. Let the peoples praise Thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise Thee. That's what it's all about. Westminster Shorter Catechism number one, what is man's chief end? That's a very big question. What is man's chief end? For what purpose do we exist? For what purpose has God created human beings? And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's why. He didn't need to create, He didn't need to create us. He is eternally sufficient in Himself. He, he, did, he was not wanting of anything. But it pleased Him to create and to redeem through Jesus Christ that He might bring about the work of His hands a people of His praise. A people to, to sing praise to Him and to testify of the riches of His grace. That's man's chief end. And now in the Old Testament, God's people Israel, they were a people of His praise. In the midst of the nations, in the midst of the heathen, that on the whole, again, without the knowledge of God, right in the midst of the darkness was this people whom God had redeemed, whom God had called out of Egypt, whom God had brought into the promised land, to whom God gave the true knowledge of Him. Why? That there in that promised land, that this people 
may praise Him and glorify Him. But God's purpose, as we said, was not for that to be limited to Israel, but in and through Israel for the knowledge of Him to go forth that others too may, may hear this praise and may be brought to share in this praise of the Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. And it's that desire here and, and that purpose that Jesus Christ is accomplishing. He who is the true Israel of God, the last Adam, the one, the head of a new humanity. It is through Jesus that this praise is extended. Look at it as the effect of the redemption. You know, we spoke of Rahab earlier when God delivered his people out of Egypt and the effect of that deliverance reverberated throughout the nations. They, they, they were hearing about Jehovah who had done uh, unprecedented things, amazing things that testified that he is the God. He is God alone. The effect of the redemption that Jesus Christ accomplished a couple thousand years ago outside the walls of Jerusalem, the effect of that redemption is the dissemination of the knowledge of God, the gospel that evokes this worldwide praise of the God, our Maker. Now notice here in Psalm 67 that the psalmist wants this. He wants the peoples to praise Him. Isn't that so becoming the children of God? When Jesus taught us to pray, the first, the first petition He taught us is, hallowed be Thy name. The name of our Father in Heaven. First thing. Most important thing. Here we, I mean, we, we want to go right, you know, quickly to bread and things like that. He says, hallowed be Thy name. Isn't that becoming that children of this Father in Heaven who has adopted us freely through the work of Jesus Christ, that these children should want to see the Father's name known by others. And that they should want to see others knowing this Father praise His name and glorify Him. Yes, that is proper. That is a fitting desire for us as the sons and daughters of God. Hallowed be Thy name. Let the peoples praise Thee. Let Thy name be known the world over. And bless us. And cause Thy face to shine upon us. That thy way may be known, thy saving health among the nations, to this great end that all let all the peoples praise him. Already in the Old Testament, there was a glimmer of this. You see Gentiles being gathered into God's covenant in the Old Testament. There was a small beginning there. But it all was aiming at and, and pressing forward towards the day of fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And for us as Church of God in the New Testament, we see this taking place. We see this being realized. When you think of the saints in India, Myanmar, Germany, all over the world. Here we are in West Michigan. All these congregations of believers and their seed from which by God's Word and Spirit is arising this praise. God's doing it. And He's given us to share in it. Here we are gathered this evening by His Word and Spirit. And from our hearts evokes praise unto Him. This purpose is being realized and shall continue to be realized until that great day in Revelation 7, verse 9. That we find described in Revelation 7, verse 9 where the Apostle John says, After this I beheld, and lo, behold, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, 
stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. There in Revelation 7 is described for us the perfection of what Psalm 67 is wishing and desires. This perfection towards which Jesus is directing all things. And now in this present age, as, a, as God's church, we join our voices in with this petition that has been sung throughout the ages. God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us, that Thy way may be known upon earth, and Thy saving health among all nations. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we give Thee thanks for Thy Word. We give Thee thanks for Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh, and in whom we behold Thy glory, and in whom we know Thee, the one true God. Bless thy word unto our hearts and kindle in our hearts more and more this desire, this petition, this wish that thy way may be known upon earth and thy saving health among all nations. Bless the preaching of the gospel over the length and breadth of the earth and by that gospel bring thy children, every nation, tribe, and tongue to the knowledge of salvation by the remission of sins to the end that thy name may be praised the world over in every nation, tribe, and tongue. And haste the day of thy son's return and this great day when we with the assembly of the elect and life eternal shall gather on the throne of thee our God and of the Lamb to praise thy name world without end. All these things we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.